If you can uh, rise for the reading of God's Word, uh, we left off a couple weeks ago, um, the last, at the end of chapter 1, and so we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. The wonderful thing about the Gospels, and we've returned to the Gospels, and by that uh, we just mean these, the, the historical record of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The remainder of the, uh, uh, of the New Testament are really letters, uh, but uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are just books, a historical account of Jesus' life, um, four of them. Read together, it's a rich study in God's Word. We're, we do try to do cross references of the Gospels, but I tell you, it's high drama. Just every single week, it's high drama, and this week is no exception. Mark chapter two, verse one. By the way, if you need a Bible in English or Spanish, they are in the back. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. So speaking of Jesus, he was in the house in Capernaum. This is at, that's in the northern part of Israel. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, so Jesus sees your faith. He sees your faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. That's important for where we'll be today. They weren't speaking out loud. They were, they were reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? A blasphemy is an insult against God. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive uh, sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, I... I I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that every man, woman, and child in this room, and also every man, woman, and child who's watching right now on the live stream, Lord, will get rid of every single notion that they have on on, on, on how you're supposed, how a God is supposed to be like with humans that they've learned, that we've learned from the world. 
and that every man, woman, and child would understand that your desire for them today, this morning, is for them to cry out in their heart, I've never seen anything like this. That's what you have for every human being on planet Earth. You sent Jesus to the Earth to show the Earth such a love, such power, that every man, woman, and child would come to the place in their life where they say, I've never seen anything like this. Father, would you do that in our hearts? Would you do it in mine today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we ended... With verse 45 of chapter 1, in verses 40 through 45, we read about Jesus healing a leper. Up until that time, he had healed many people of many different diseases. Verse 34 of chapter 1 says, Then he, Jesus, healed many who were sick, with various diseases. But up until that point, he had not healed a leper. More properly, he had not cleansed a leper. But in verse 40, somehow a leper breaks through the crowd. They weren't allowed to be anywhere near a crowd. The law of Moses But this leper wanted Jesus so bad, he's a picture for you and me, that he breaks through the crowd. And he cries out, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus touches him, cleanses him of his leprosy. This causes such a sensation Verse 45 says that Jesus had to leave the city and go to deserted places. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, if if, if you have a a Bible, you will notice that word some, S-O-M-E is in italics. And again, he entered Capernaum after some some days. That means that some is not there in the Greek. The translators are trying to help you out. Sometimes when the translators try to help us out, they don't help us out. We don't know if it was really 21 days, 10 days, or three days. He had caused such a sensation by healing a leper. Just incredible, terrifying, dreaded disease at the time. They were, all, they were required to live away from any habitation. So, but when, when one breaks through and gets cleansed, uh, it, it caused such a sensation that for Days he had to just live out, it says, in deserted places. In verse 2, it says, and rather in verse 1, again, he entered, he entered back into the city after waiting for things to calm down. And he goes back. And it says in verse 2, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, 
not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. So he came back after some or many days away, and he came back into the city, and what did he do? What did he do? Shout it out, someone. He preached the word. Verse 14 of chapter 1. What did Jesus do when he appeared in public? Shout it out, someone. He preached the word. Uh, what was he doing in verse 21 of chapter 1? Someone shout it out. He taught. In verse 38, what was Jesus doing? Someone shout it out of chapter 1. He was preaching. Jump forward to uh, chapter 2, verse 13. What was Jesus doing when there was a crowd around him? Someone shout it out. He taught them. <laughs> he taught. The women are, are learning this at ladies' Bible study. One method of studying your Bible is that when you see a word over and over, you circle it, circle it, and circle it, and, 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 and it, because they're all put there for a purpose, if, if, if it says teach, 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 there's a lesson for you and me. The Bible says this in Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I got news for you, in case you haven't figured it out. The world want your mind. The world, Calvary Chapel, wants your mind. And so it has conformed your mind to the world and mine. And, and we're told as born again believers to instead of allowing this conformation, conformation by the world to continue and on and on and on, we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? How does that happen? Someone shouted out. What did Jesus do time after time after time after time? We just, hopefully, you just circled it five times. What, how is our mind renewed? The word of God. Don't miss this. Jesus breaks on into the scene in Mark chapter 1 for the first time publicly and over and over and over he teaches the word of God. At one point in chapter 1 he escapes and people go and find him because again he had been just overwhelmed by crowds. He goes to a deserted place before and they said everyone's looking for you in verse 37 but in verse 38 he said to them let us go into the next towns that I may preach there. We need to be, we're told to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so Jesus, when he comes on the scene, that is what he begins to do, to just to pour out the word, pour out the word, pour out the word. Okay, let's continue in verse three. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. A paralytic, someone who has lost use of their muscles. Uh, and so this, this person could not walk. In all likelihood, they, uh, it could be that they did not have use um, of their arms either, of his arms either. A paralytic, it says. They, 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 four of them, four men brought a paralytic to the house. Verse four, 
when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. At our church last summer, we had a book club. We read The Ministry of Intercessory Prayer by Andrew Murray, one of my heroes, pastor in the late 19th century. If you've never read that book, I highly recommend it to you, The Ministry of Intercessory Prayer. But we had about 35 people read the book. And uh, we passed them out free during, co- during the COVID shutdown, and, and then we all Uh, joined in a Zoom meeting, and one of the things uh, that uh, was in that book is that Andrew Murray's teaching that the Bible teaches that you and me are supposed to pray with impunity. We're supposed to pray with impunity. What on earth does that mean? Well, we talked about it. Impunity means this. It means boldness to the point of extreme recklessness. Sometimes the word impunity is used how sometimes people behave with apparently not thinking they're going to have any consequences. That that, that thief is stealing with impunity as if he's never going to be caught. We're supposed to pray. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to pray with impunity. So what does that look like? Well, when you pray with impunity, those listening to you might think that you never should be talking to God like that. God, I'm not going to stop praying until you bless me. You can't talk to God like that. Well, if your heart is in the right place, you certainly can, right? In fact, who in the Old Testament prayed that very way? Someone shouted out. Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. Listen, I'm not letting you go, God, until you bless me. And he was highly commended, so much so, his name at the, right there was changed from Jacob to what? Shout it out. Israel. That's right. And so, well, here in, in Mark chapter uh, 2, uh, you have someone coming to Jesus with impunity. I mean, coming to him with boldness to the point of extreme recklessness. Uh, in verse, the verse says that the crowd had blocked the entrance so that they went up to the roof and it says they actually broke through the roof. They, they ripped the hole through the roof. What do you think you're doing? You can't approach a prophet like that. Talk about disrespect. He's going to be angry with you. He's going to bust your chops. He's breaking through the roof. That's not what happened. It says in verse 5, Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. In 32 years of walking with God, I have never known him to be upset when I'm coming to him with impunity, boldness to the point of extreme recklessness. God, save my son's soul if you have to send me to hell for my son to be saved. Do it, God. You can't pray like that to God. Oh, yes, I can. Paul prayed that way in Romans chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3. God, if you treat me like this, just please kill me right here now. If you treat me like this, just come and kill me. You can't talk to God like that. Oh, yes, you can. Moses, that's a... Exact quote from Moses in Numbers chapter 11, verse 15. 
These guys break through a roof to get to Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus was pleased to see someone acting with, coming to him with impunity. They broke through a roof. And he says what? His response, such gentleness, such mercy, when we approach God this way, son, your sins are, not will, are forgiven you. Now notice, Jesus begins with this man with the most important issue, doesn't he? He's going to heal him of his paralysis. But he begins with the most important issue. He forgives him of his sins. So important, Calvary Chapel, that you realize better to have your life paralyzed, go through life as a quadriplegic, than to die in your sins and go to hell forever. Jesus did not come supremely to heal paralytics, heal the blind, cleanse lepers. Those signs followed in the wake of his primary calling, which was, he declared, to seek and save that which is lost. Better to have your life be paralyzed, go through life paralyzed, and die in your sins and go to hell forever. Listen, look at this verse and just let it sink in. Isaiah 59.2 says this. It is your evil that has separated you from your God. Your sins cause him to turn away from you so that he does not hear you. It is your evil that has separated you from your God. Your sins cause him to turn away from you so he does not hear you. With that, let's read verse 6 through 8. Jesus says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Why does he insult God? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned to themselves, he said to them, why? Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Now importantly, in, in the book of Matthew, the parallel verse, it says this, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Dave, can we go back to Isaiah 59? Remember what Isaiah 59 says? If it is your evil that has separated you from God, you know what our problem is? You know what the problem with plant, uh, people on planet Earth? We don't think we're evil. We are completely convinced we're not evil. Well, Jesus is telling these people just for stuff that they had kept inside and withhold. Next one, Dave. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Well, that's really not nice to say, Jesus. I mean, come on, Jesus. These guys are keeping their thoughts to themselves. Why are you making such a, a big deal of, about it? 
Listen, Calvary Chapel. Your thoughts are a big deal to God. God help us. God help you if you don't understand this. God help me. Your thoughts are a big deal to God. Your thoughts are a big deal to God. Your thoughts alone, just your thoughts, are more than enough to separate you from God for all eternity. You don't have to shake your fist and curse God to go to hell. No, no, no. You know, you, you can just say silently in your heart, I'm doing things my way, not God's way. That's the most common road to hell. The rebellion is completely hidden in the mind. On the outside, like these guys in verse 6, someone who saw them, they were scribes. Uh, they seem real religious and respectful to God, but on the inside, they're lost. The Bible says the wrath of God, the judgment of God, hangs over them. Their thought life alone. God knows your thoughts. Oh, how we need the blood of Jesus. Oh, ho, 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 how we need the blood of Jesus. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, or in the book of Matthew, he says, by every, every idle word you, you say, you will have to give an account for in the time of judgment. Oh, how we need the blood of Jesus. The good news is, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 says, By the blood of Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost every thought, every idle word, past, present, and future, purged completely. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Who's him? Shout it out. Jesus. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Every thought, every idle word, every offhand comment, something we blurt out, the blood of Jesus is bigger than it. We're washed in an ocean of blood of the Son of God. So um, verse 6 says these guys were reasoning in their hearts, looking really, really good on the outside. On the inside, they are rejecting the Son of God. And so Jesus says, the end of uh, verse 8, again, he says, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Let's continue verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, so he turns to the paralytic, verse 11. I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Verse 12, immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He says to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. It's good to go into the detail, you know, when you're, when you're reading. Why, why does he take up the mat? Why does he take up the, why does he tell him to pick his bed up? 
My, I personally believe it's just because he just wanted to bless this guy's socks off. He, he, he wanted this guy to be walking through the streets of Capernaum with his bed and with people saying, what is this guy doing? He used to be carted around in that bed. He's carrying it now. Can you imagine the joy just exploding from this guy's heart. Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. And so he rises up, says the people look at him, and says, uh, what's going on? This guy walking out with his bed in his hand, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God. Let's put on the pause button for a second here. So we're all wearing masks in this room, except for me. The person speaking is allowed to take off their mask, and you go around Boston, and, and everyone's wearing a mask. And, and we're socially distanced in this room. And I've been reflecting a lot just on this, you, the, just, just walking, walking through Boston on prayer walks. Took a long prayer walk yesterday into Roxbury, into Franklin Park. I see people with their mask, and I wonder, okay, you're wearing that mask. So am I. You're wearing it to save your life. So I'm talking to you all now. You're wearing your mask. You're, you're wearing it possibly to save your life. You're, you're staying apart from each other. Possibly to save your life. But if your life is saved from COVID-19, what then? What are you saving your life for? And we come here to, to have serious business, to do serious business with the Lord, honestly. Why are you saving your life? There's nothing wrong with someone wanting to save their life. Life is sacred. It's precious. We can't be foolhardy. Oh, I don't need this mask. We don't want to be those people. That's pride. So wear your mask. Save your life. But why? Here's why. Right here. It says, when they looked at him, his life had been saved. Remember, just like leprosy is a picture of the human condition of you and me. We're spiritual lepers before the Lord. We need to be made clean. Just a leper, I mean a paralytic, is the same way. He's, he's, he's raised to, to, to a new life. And it says that when people looked at him, they glorified God. That is why you get your mask on. Supremely, not to save you from physical death, although with the protection of God, you, you will be. Not to save you from death so that you go on and then life just returns to normal where uh, it, it, that life is just a, a cycle of birthday parties, of, of, of Christmas and, and Easter feasts, of, of, of going to school, of, 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 of getting up each day and going to work and then at the end of the day uh, getting onto the computer or, or the TV or, and it just becomes this endless cycle of just nonsense purposelessness. No, you want a purpose for those masks. This is it. So that you'll get through this and then walking as a born again believer with new life, a man or woman or child who God has raised up 
people look at you and they glorify your God. That's what it says. When they looked, when they looked at this, this man walking around with his, his bed, they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Isaiah 43, 7 says what? Everyone who is called by my name, and that means you, that means you, whom I have created so they can have, go to 17 birthday parties every year and blow out candles. Those things are great, by the way. Five kids, now grandkids, a lot of birthday parties. We had one last week. I just loved it. Not, not, there's no b- better blessing than watch, watching a two-year-old the first time he's aware of a birthday cake. It's, 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 it's me glorifying God. There's glory, God's glory, in birthday cakes if you have the eyes of God. No, it says, everyone who is called by my name whom I have created for my glory. That's why you got your face masks on. Calvary Chapel. Or, I should say, and it's to be like one of these four guys. Notice how it took four guys. It really is a beautiful picture. And, and people who comment on these verses make a lot of it, and they should. It says that four guys, four guys took a paralytic to go see Jesus. And you know, my experience with reaching out to people to bring him to Jesus, <laughs> I, I can't do it on my own. It usually takes more than four. There's some statistic out there, I don't know who does these things, but Barn or something, that someone, uh, before they come to a personal relationship with Jesus, they have, they have been shared to by seven or eight different people. Beautiful picture of the body of Christ. So, these, so, so you're saved to, 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 so that people will see your life, see your families, that they would be amazed and glorify God. You're also saved to bring others to that place of glory. I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come up at this time. And while they're coming up, uh, we're, going to have this, we're going to have our communion time. Again, just as the leper, and, we, and, and, and I don't like describing leprosy, but we did a couple weeks ago, actually we had to a couple months ago too, when we were uh, reading about Naaman the leper in 2 Kings um, I think it's chapter five. Uh, but uh, leprosy, again, sores all over the body. Uh, extremities, you, l- you lose your extremities. Your eyebrows uh, uh, disappear. Just a very disfigured condition that advanced leprosy, of advanced leprosy like this leper. We read in the book of Luke, Luke that when the leper came to Jesus, um, he had advanced leprosy. And, and again, leprosy, just as we said a couple of weeks ago from Genesis to Revelation, leprosy is a picture of sin to help us understand who we are before God, our great need for him and his ability to come in and meet the need. Of our, of our great desire, we come to God with great desire so did this leper, and, and Jesus met that. So, so a paralytic, no different, no different. Now, you may be asking, <laughs> you may be asking, okay, well, look, I mean, I'm Joe Schmo. No offense if your name is Joe, uh, you know, Rick Schmo, uh, whatever. I, I, I'm Francine Schmo. Uh, whatever your name is, I, I, I'm not a quadriplegic, I'm not... Uh, a paraplegic, I, 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 I'm just a normal person. How in the world is someone going to look at my life like the people looked at the paralytic walking around with his bed and be amazed and glorify God? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, and I'll show you the imagery used there and other places in the New Testament Comparing you to this paralytic, where really 
the story is placed there so that we would understand not only we're lepers, we're paralytics that need Jesus. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I quote these verses <laughs> anytime there's conflict in the church and I'm asked to come in. These are the verses when I get Christians um, around each other. In the world, what happens when there's conflict? People just disperse, never talk to each other ever again. In the church, it's a different picture. Verse 12 says this, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, how in the world can a human being get to the place where they look like that? Well, read the paralytic raising from the dead or raising from being lame verse in verse 1 of the same chapter. What does it say? Chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. That's what happens. That's what happens when you say to Jesus, I am done being a substitute for you, the Lord of my own life, the God of my own life. Come in, Jesus. I believe who you are. You're the son of God who came to save me because I was hopelessly lost on the broad road that leads to destruction. Come into my life. The Bible says that at that moment, he invades your life in the person of the Holy Spirit and you're raised with Christ. Mark chapter two, first 15 verses. You're the paralytic. Ephesians, exact same imagery in Ephesians where it says in Ephesians, even when we were dead in transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together with him. Same thing, you were raised. That's what happened, just like the paralytic. So now we're gonna have communion time and we're just gonna celebrate this because it's, it's, it, it, it's, it was the Jesus' death on the cross. It's that blood that we talked about earlier that we have been given the life of intimacy with him in which over time we begin to look like Colossians chapter three, verses 10 through 12. Holy and beloved, forgiving each other. If anyone has a complaint against each other, forgive them, it says. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We're able to do that because we've been raised with Christ. But before Jesus rose from the dead, he put on every single sin in your life, past, present, and future. And he died for you. So if you can take up these uh, elements. Hey, Mr. Solomon, can I... Um, can I have one of those? Can you bring me one of those? So if you can take up your elements, and I think, um, oh, here you go. I got one. And the, you just rip off the top part, and there's the wafer of bread, and then you take off. Sorry, we did this once a couple of years ago, so well, that's all. Then you take off the bottom part. Better to do it right now. We have the grape juice in there. And I'm going to go. 
And I'm going to read now. You don't have to turn there with me, but to 1 Corinthians. It says in chapter 11. Actually, no, I'm going to go to the same place I was at when we had communion on Friday night. I'm going to go to Luke 22. Where Jesus is at the Last Supper, the First Communion. And one of the verses that I mentioned at our Friday night communion, it wasn't a verse, it was a quote by a Puritan, Jeremiah Burroughs, and I just, just want to share it if you weren't there on Friday night. Jeremiah Burroughs says this, He says, all the mercy in heaven cannot save you. God's abounding in mercy. But all that mercy can't save you of your sin. Why is that? It's because God cannot ignore justice and still be God. And the Bible says that the penalty, the justice of your sin, even those thoughts that never come out of your mouth with words deserve death and hell before a holy God. All the mercy in heaven cannot save you. It says in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, where God, these verses, so important. If you're wondering who God is, Moses asked, who are you, God? And this is what God said. He said, the Lord, the, here's who I am. I'm the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty. All the mercy in heaven cannot save you. There had to be justice. Jesus had to die for your sins. So mercy kisses justice. You may have heard that. This what the crosses and the resurrection. And so celebrating that, Jesus in the first communion in, in Luke chapter 22, he got his, uh, the, 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 the 12 apostles together here. The last supper, few hours, he would be going off to the cross and begin a process of what's just called the passion of tremendous suffering as the wrath of God came on him because Exodus 34, 6 and 7, God said, I do not clear the guilty. I don't just wink at sin. I'm a just God. All that justice, the wrath of God, the judgment came on Jesus. And he said to the disciples, with fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, so if you can take your wafer. He gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. No longer are lambs slaughtered at the at the altar at the temple every morning and every evening. And then during the whole day in between the morning and evening sacrifice, no longer by one sacrifice 
Jesus perfected forever those who are being sanctified by one. He said, the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Father, we thank you. And I, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray again, Lord. We were praying at the we were praying in the prayer service prior to. This service, we'll just pray again. When you say in Isaiah 59, 2, that our evil has separated us from, from you and our sins have hidden your face from us so that you do not hear us, would you just... Father, you promised to be here where two or three are gathered, Lord Jesus. You said you'd be... Would you give us the full full weight of the application of that verse to us, that our sins have separated us from you. And just the horror of that. It's the horror of spiritual leprosy, what our sin looks like to you. But then even, Lord, as we have this communion, the cup and the bread, the cup representing the blood, the bread representing your body, Father, would, by your grace, by your spirit, would you lift that weight off of us, the weight of how sin is separated, and just give us the full recognition and yes the feeling Lord of the weight being lifted Lord Jesus you took the full weight on yourself we can't even imagine nor will we ever be able to know what that was like but we thank you we thank you in Jesus name could rise now and let our closing prayer just be with the worship song the worship team is just gonna close us with a worship song let it be your closing prayer